Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Are you, do you think you're able to get to a point where you're just like kind of sick of Batman? Why do you ask that? Uh, Well, first off, there's going to be three different, well, technically four or five different Batman, like live action, like performed by actors, Batman, that are active within this next year or so. In 2022? Yeah. Because you have this one, you have the Batman that's in the Titans television show, as well as like his various wards who don the the mantle then you have both michael keaton and ben affleck are playing batman and there's rumors that there's going to be a new batman like some sort of batman television show that may start jensen ackles as batman although those rumors oh are, so they'd be carrying him over from voicing batman yes because he or did batman. he voice batman or joker he, he did one of he them he voiced batman in, okay. in the one of the recent ones. animated films but like Batman is such a huge cash cow, and even before this film hit theaters, two HBO Max television shows are greenlit based on it. In addition, based to the- on this Batman, yes. So this is starting its own little universe of Batman films. Because to Matt Reeves's credit, like he immediately correctly identified that in order to make the best Batman movie he could, it just could not be tied to the DC film continuity in any yes. way. Yes, yeah. And so there's going to be a Penguin show which has been described as, quote, kind of like a Scarface story. It's going to be about Penguin's rise to power, and it's going to be TVMA, apparently. And there's also a Gotham television show that's going to be on HBO Max with, and it's something you and I will likely talk about, but a lot of the shows probably going to be focused on Arkham Asylum in some way. But it'll start Jeffrey Wright reprising his role as Commissioner Gordon, and it's not going to be like the Gotham TV show that was on Fox. But there's going to be a lot of Batman things in general. Mm-hmm. So, do you think you're going to experience Batman burnout at any point? Um, I don't think I'll watch all of that. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think I'm as crazy a Batman fan as I think people expect geek a geek culture nerd culture podcaster to to be. I like Batman a lot. Out of the comics on my shelf that I'm looking at right now. I have more Batman comics than anything else. Uh, But in terms of like watching shows, I don't know if I have time to keep up with so much of what's going on. 
Uh, I'm catching up on Marvel Netflix shows. If there's not a show on Disney Plus that's coming out, which I guess I didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, so whatever. But like the second that ends, something new starts. Like Moon Knight is pretty soon. Um, so I, I guess it would just be a matter of if it turns out they're good, then I would check them out. But I guess we'd have to wait and see. I don't know. This is just the world we live in now where you just get inundated with <laughs> comic book properties and, and superheroes. Like yeah. people in, during Marvel phase two were losing their minds about there being too many Marvel movies, but it was still <laughs> only like one, 1. 1.5 Marvel movies a year because yeah. it wasn't always two a year. And now it's like, since this movie is three hours, it makes me panic about whether or not I'll have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so like I didn't even see when they were advertising the rest of the DC Marvel movies coming out this year before the film started, which was like, what, four or five? I don't know. Yeah. It was like this, Flashpoint, Aquaman, Black Adam. Black Adam's honestly the one that I'm most excited for. The whole JSA's in it. That's crazy. The who? Justice Justice Society of America. So it's like Dr. Fate, Adam Smasher, Hawkman. Those types oh, of well, characters. that's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that's the one I'm most excited for because it's the one that's most connected to Shazam. Uh, in mm. terms of what they talked about, at least at least 10 years ago when they talked about it in development, that's what it was. Because uh, that's the thing with DC movies. They like start talking about them like forever ago. Remember when this movie was going to be directed by Ben Affleck? Written, directed, starring, produced by Ben Affleck. These movies are always like, they take 10 years to come out and Marvel's <laughs> steamrolling them. This took five years of production to become an entirely different movie, set an entirely different continuity with entirely different people. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. So, as we alluded to a second ago, the Batman, in a continuing the tradition of them not wanting to make Batman movies, but because they keep making new Batman movies in separate continuities, they have to keep finding new interesting ways to title a movie Batman so continuing that, the Batman 
was initially slated to be the solo movie for Ben Affleck's version of the character who we saw in Batman versus Superman, Justice League, Justice League, the Zack Snyder one, and a brief cameo in the Suicide Squad. Initially, it was slated, the script was co-written by him and Jeff Johns, who is someone I generally like, though apparently he's relatively polarizing for various reasons I'm not aware of. But Jeff Johns, a comic book writer, notably, he wrote the Batman Earth One comics, which this movie actually takes a lot of inspiration from. Initially, test footage of Batman fighting Deathstroke was released online with Joe Magnola, sorry for pronunciation of his name, set to reprise his role, which he kept getting told he was going to be in things in the DC movies, and then he just never shows up in them. And he wanted to be in them, didn't he? Like, he, he lo- liked- He's a big nerd. He loves comic books. He loves Deathstroke. He just Poor looks guy. like Slade Wilson. So anyway, however, initially the, prod- the uh, production stalled out for various reasons that we've talked about in previous episodes, Ben Affleck had personal problems. Thankfully, he's on the other side of that now. He's apparently yes. sober and all that. So we wish him well on that journey of his. But for various reasons, eventually the uh, it, a, a change was needed. And so Matt Reeves entered negotiations. Matt Reeves uh, both wrote the film with Robert Pattinson in mind for the role and also straight up said that if he was going to make it, he could, he could not make a Batman movie that existed in the continuity of the DC films, partially because of but we'll get into the much more grounded, realistic setting. And upon seeing the film, this is not a movie where I believe Superman exists. Batman himself seems to even struggle to take down three or four guys, let alone a, a world where metahumans and people with abilities exist or anything like that. And so uh, initially, there is while Robert Pattinson was a frontrunner, Nicholas Holt, who you may remember is playing Beast in the X-Men movies, as well as the one main guy in Mad Max Fury Road who sprays his teeth with silver paint or whatever. However, Rob Pattinson eventually won out. So the Batman takes place in Batman, who a Batman who is in his second year of being the Batman. It is a grounded, realistic world. However, Gotham, unlike many other versions of the live action Caped Crusader, is a world already inhabited by many of his rogues galleries, uh, taking cues from comics like Batman Year One, Batman The Long Halloween. This is a world filled with all kinds of crooks and criminals. Gotham is always awash in black and red. It is a horrible, depressing, terrible place to live, as is tradition. However, unlike many other versions of the live-action Batman, this is a Gotham City that feels alive. It feels grimacing and almost malevolent in its own existence. Uh, the While the Gotham is used to an underworld filled with men like Carmine Falcone, Salvatore Moroni, and the uh, Penguin, who is not yet ascended to being a crime lord, Gotham is gripped by the work of a very Zodiac killer inspired serial killer who is self-identifies as the Riddler as he begins targeting and killing men in prominence. However, it appears that the men he's killing are themselves not totally morally righteous. So the Batman has to go out and solve the crimes and stop the serial killer while constantly getting sidetracked by all kinds of other things, including Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, who has her own agenda and is trying to pull him in other directions, as well as reckoning with his own past as bruce wayne now one thing that i appreciate about the movie is that a there's no flashback to the fateful night in the alley where the gun fires and the pearls fall to the ground and a boy starts to cry thank god they didn't include that as every batman <laughs> thing ever has yeah it, we know that happens and what's interesting is that this is a batman who is not interested in being bruce wayne at all uh andy circus plays alfred who seems unhappy with this decision of his and this is very much something 
that is a factor in uh, Batman Zero Year, uh, which Scott Snyder wrote, which he gets a shout out in the credits. And despite this, Robert Pattinson does play a great Bruce Wayne. He is filled with anger and resentment, and there's a heaviness to him and everything he does. You can just see it on his face and eyes in every scene. This is a Bruce Wayne who hates being Bruce Wayne with every fiber of his being, which actually thematically pays off in the end, in my opinion. And the movie is three hours. It is heavy on the noir and Batman standing around while people talk. Not so heavy on the action, though. When it does happen, it's very clear it takes place in a world that has seen nobody and John Wick and the raid, particularly the fact that Batman gets punched and hit a lot. Uh, Though when he does finally hit back, it certainly does feel like the Batman is fighting back. It is a long journey. It is slow. It is moody. However, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the unraveling of the serial killer mystery. All the performances across the board are great. Paul Dano does a lot with the little screen time he's given. But this is very much a Batman movie for all the people who have been clamoring and saying, gosh darn it, as a DC fan, I want a mature adult comic book movie. And Matt Reeves said, well, here you go. Here's a slow three-hour movie that's mostly dialogue. It's you have to actually sit there and watch a, a long movie. There's not lots of blinkies and things exploding. Nobody the flashes that run by and drop some quits. Superman. Nobody nobody fights in a sky city. <laughs> no. There's no laser in the sky. <laughs> Aliens don't show up. It is a slow noir that is something that was very much up my alley. It's very much the Batman movie I've been waiting for for a long time. I won't spoil too much from here on out because as a mystery, any details at a certain point are themselves spoilers because you're watching a mystery unravel. But I quite in, quite enjoyed it. Uh, Melvin, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I wrote down a list of things I liked and things I didn't. Because uh, I felt that that's an easy way to, to parse out information. Um, the things I definitely liked were... Well, it's funny. like All the things I liked were things that were almost specifically comic book things translated to the screen. Um, both in terms of uh, comic book media things. And then also things specific to good Batman comics by the comic book media things. I mean, uh, there's a decent amount. I wish there was more, but a decent amount of voiceover from Batman talking about things. The movie starts that way with like a diary entry monologue. And I really like that because one of my mm-hmm. favorite things about comic books in general is the panel where nobody's talking, but you have in the top right is a box of text because it's what somebody's thinking. And I always like that because you can linger on the visual and uh, the correlation between the text and the visual and uh, and experience the story without someone necessarily saying something in particular. So I liked that. And there were a couple scenes where this actually happens, both in terms of just the character monologuing. And then uh, there's a later scene where Selena Kyle has to do something and Batman is talking to her through like an earpiece. And that felt very reminiscent of it as well, which I quite liked. I also really like the relationship between Batman and Detective Gordon. Mm, yeah. I liked a lot of the Batman and police stuff. I thought that yes. was really interesting seeing yeah. the dynamic of like, do we like Batman? <laughs> do we need Batman? Uh, shouldn't we arrest Batman? That kind of thing was interesting. Uh, Selena Kyle in general was very cool. I like that they were just a rogue that just wants to steal. Um, very much yep. channeling the horse from over the garden wall. Um, that is all. <laughs> that is definitely what they were drawing on. <laughs> the yeah, they weren't drawing from the comics. They're just big fans of uh, over the garden wall. Um, surprise, Elijah Wood didn't play uh, the Selena Kyle. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, just gender bent. 
Um, where's my gender bent Batman movie? Uh, we got our comic book Batman movie to give me my gender bent one. That's what people want is they want a male Catwoman. That's, that's what the fans <laughs> are clamoring for. That's just the marvelous uh, ladybug, right? Uh, isn't that the the French guy? The French friend is a cat uh, in that. Anyways, anyways, um, <laughs> there's your movie. Um, yeah, voiceover Batman, Rogue Selina Kyle, Tech Warden. The ensemble of characters felt good. Because it's like, like you said, like this is a world that's already populated. Like Batman has to exist now because it's Bruce Wayne witnessing how horrible and how terrible and specific everything is. It's a cool dynamic to to switch what is basically common in comic books, which is take all the characters but change the order of how they work, and seeing it done on screen. So, like, I think most people are used to the idea that Batman came first to fight crime, and then all these rogues galleries people are born out of him. And so having the idea that like all of them seem to have just been born at the same time. And I guess, I don't know, something's in the water making people go crazy and wear <laughs> Batman suits or put uh, paint on their face. But um, the idea that Batman comes and it, Penguin's already kind of active, but like you said, not big. Uh, all that's kind of interesting. And just seeing how different writers take different characters is really interesting. I remember having a conversation with someone who didn't understand comic books and did not like the idea that different authors could just come in and take the characters in different directions. And I said, right. but that's kind of what's interesting about this IP that's existed for almost 100 years now is that you can just have different authors take what they like, write it and publish it. And then the audience decides what they like or not. Yeah, you get you get a you get a it's like a canon by consensus. Yeah. And it's interesting because of com- of all mediums, you figure comic book fans would be the most malleable to change because <laughs> that's how comic books have always been. And yet they're usually the most insufferable in terms of things being changed. Right. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. To to your point about like the idea that's interesting that like Batman is more born out of necessity rather than what's traditionally, at least in the movies, been a thing where Batman shows up to fight a bunch of regular thugs with guns and then oh no a villain shows up because whatever this movie does a good job of sort of splitting the difference where all of these sort of like exaggerated gangsters already exist but then someone like the Riddler is partially inspired by the Batman or the 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 act of putting on a costume is perhaps something that Batman inspires but this element already exists he's yeah. just causing the people to become more theatrical in their application. I thought that was kind of interesting. But. Totally. Uh, I like the detective Batman stuff. Uh, that feels really good. Cause really in any medium, except for the comics, we haven't had detective Batman Arkham games are not detective Batman. It's stand in room, press button scan. That is not detective work. Um, detective work is playing the first penumbra game where it tells you, you need to learn a cipher and then complete a puzzle that literally requires pen and paper. So I used a guide <laughs> to skip that part. Um, no one's going to do that in a video game. So, uh, the Arkham games, although interesting and, um, have the length of a detective story, never really had detective Batman. Um, and so, and none of the movies really did. I think dark Knight had a little bit of detective Batman, um, but not a whole lot. And so having that here was really cool. Yeah. And who better to do it than with the Riddler? I mean, none of the other guys are necessarily that smart. And so Riddler was good. Good choice for that. Uh, Manic Riddler is good, too. Um, I uh, I guess we'll talk more about that later. And then uh, the aesthetic was interesting in terms of setting things apart. Although I do think the aesthetic itself, the aesthetic being very Arkham game-esque. Um, almost every set 
looks like a location in the Arkham games, um, which was very cool. Uh, For me, that worked times. a lot. So. Yeah, that that stuff works. Um, the fact that like there are no city streets in in Gotham that don't have like something over top of it, but even <laughs> if you have something over top of you, you still get poured down on rain. Yes. Um, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, like even in the trailer when the, there's a fight that's very much in the beginning, but in the trailer, I thought like, aren't, it looks like they're in a subway. They're fighting in a subway. Why is there rain? (laughs) And it's like, it's not a subway. It's actually just open air, but still, um, that was all great. And also just taking advantage of weather to be an aesthetic. There's a lot of movie making magic here. And really, if you just have rain in a movie, I'm going to call it movie making magic, but, um, (laughs) there's a lot of that going on where there's big effects, cars going into cars exploding and um using cg for animals because you have to now which is good that's a good choice as long as the cg looks good um and rain all that stuff feels good so the movie feels good uh but you know dan i had a point in the movie where i thought just literally thought this movie is just okay (laughs) i genuinely had that happen to me maybe around two hours where i was just like this movie's just fine I have been trying to figure out in the last 12, I guess it's been about 12 hours, 14, 12 hours since I left the theater um, of like, what is it that like hasn't clicked with me? Catherine said, well, the movie had no heart. And I was like, oh man, yeah, that is 100% true. Heart is in like, there isn't a montage where he works out and like to go fight the Riddler. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like heart just, uh, like- there's really like, well, so there was a, there's a, point in the film where there's character drama taking place and my first thought was this is a this is boring get back to the detective stuff and then i actually thought that again later on in the movie i thought it like twice and i found a lot of the yeah the and like the first eye roll of drama i had is there's a scene where batman just basically sure batman doesn't look at the screen and say like i'm rich uh as a joke but he does essentially look directly into the screen as if talking to Alfred and says, you're not my father. And like, I was like, that's bad dialogue. Um, I just didn't. And it, it's like 12 minutes into the movie. This happens. And I sort of just went, okay, all the drama in this movie is going to be bad. The detective work is going to be great. That the movie heavily just goes straight into detective work and um, seven esque slasher uh, hidden serial killer stuff. And that's all great. But I was like, man, I don't think this character drama is going to work. And yeah, I did not find the character drama very effective throughout the entire film, which is unfortunate because essentially the movie ends on character drama. And I sort of was just waiting for the credits to come. Uh, So that was that was disappointing because what I like about Batman is his dramatic character. Um, the reason I always mention Dick Bat, Dick, Dick Grayson being Batman, is because of the character drama of the idea that Nightwing stops being Nightwing, becomes Batman, raises Batman's assassin son, Damien, um, and is constantly questioning, like, uh, why am I doing this uh, as he's doing things? Uh, and also the fact that as Dick Grayson is Batman, he's a very different kind of Batman, is its own dramatic uh, character trait. Um, and I just found a lot of the drama in this film, uh, very uninteresting. And so that was annoying and there's not much of it, but the problem is in a movie that's going to be three hours, I really hope everything's worthwhile. And the second something's not worthwhile, I wish I knew what this, when the scene was starting so I could, I don't know, 
go get go to my fridge and get some food or something. Oh wait, I can't because I'm at a movie theater. So there's just this just doesn't work for me. Uh, so I didn't like that. Um, I think the ending was a little too big for the kind of movie it was trying to be. Uh, there is a a particular thing at the end of the movie which we'll definitely talk about, and I just I just won't mention anything about it right now because I guess you could call it spoilers. And then I also I think it was exactly what I expected it to be when I talked to you. I said this movie will be too self serious. And that will be its downfall in certain scenes, not the whole film, just certain scenes. Cause there are scenes when the movie actually actively looks funny. And then the move, the music is booming as though it's supposed to be really serious. And so I just, uh, in, and that's just, a in terms of visuals. So the example I'll give is, um, in the trailer, you watch as penguins car gets flipped over and then Batman's walking towards him. Uh, and there's fire behind it. Visual looks really cool. And the music's booming during this yeah. sequence. And he's upside down. In the he's upside down. Are, yeah. uh, which, by the way, the end of that scene uh, got claps. Uh, and I don't think it was claps because like, ah, yeah, my hero. It was because it was really well executed. So people just physically felt the need to cheer or something. And I, I did not clap myself, but I felt that. And so I thought, <laughs> great filmmaking. And that was a, a sequence of really good filmmaking. The, the intensity of that scene was really good. Um, but then as Batman gets closer and the music's getting louder, Batman just bends over to look at him <laughs> and something in my head went, this looks silly. Why'd they keep that? <laughs> like things just look silly, but the music tries to make it serious. And then that's it. I don't know. Um, so I don't think this movie is as worthy of a three hour runtime as it wants to be. And I just watched, and this is going to be like, this comparison's ridiculous because it's basically being compared to a, one of the greatest movies of all time. But I watched The Godfather this week in theaters, 4K restoration, looked beautiful, uh, three hours, not a single scene wasted. And just having the contrast of another three-hour movie experience with this one, <laughs> it just feels strange to me. Uh, and I even comparing to another long movie, like the Zack Snyder cut of justice league, which has no right being four hours, but at least I watched it at home. So like, I'm also thinking about how I'm engaging the film. Like I could just pause that movie and do something else. But at this, in this, in, in the experience of seeing this in theaters, which I know people was going to be arguing for, I just don't know if it like, I don't, I just, I, something is not clicking for me and it's enough to make me go, this movie's just okay. Well, seven I'm, out of 10. I'm sort of wondering what is it about the character drama that you don't seem to care for? I get, I, I, it could be. So one of the things is that I could like older Bruce Wayne, um, as opposed to young Bruce Wayne. I mean, I've, I've told you before and I've said it on the podcast, I didn't necessarily like Batman year one, the comic. I think it's just okay. Oh, that's <laughs> I know that a lot of people are like, oh, but that's great. That's really good stuff. But I don't know. It's fine. And maybe you're laughing at me because actually that's a, a common opinion. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I think I like older Batman who balances more with his Bruce Wayne persona because it, it is Batman. Bruce Wayne is the persona, not Batman. The, the real person is the insane guy wearing the bat suit. And so missing out on the Bruce Wayne stuff, I guess I was disappointed with but i don't know i but and i don't think i really f was convinced of the bruce wayne character in this which is the character drama as opposed to the batman character which also for some reason in this film felt the most distant like felt so bizarre to me to see this man in a bat suit in a very real world which i get is part of the character 
uh, and part of the idea of Batman. Um, and then I also, I don't know, I guess I was also talking to Catherine too about like having just watched an obscene amount of the Marvel Netflix shows, not comparing to Marvel here. I'm just comparing to long running self-serious, not self-serious, but long running mm, prestige adaptions of comic book material specifically daredevil which is a very close approximation to batman which i guess you could i could say specifically to daredevil i was like is this even the right medium for this character for this particular interpretation of this character and i just i don't know i obviously i'm in the minority here i mean this movie is not getting as crazy reviews as dark knight uh was and i even walked out and said to kaz like yeah not as good as dark knight based on memory and not because I'll oh, be a Joker. Heath Ledger so good. Ha ha ha. Why so serious? Uh, which seems to be how most people react uh, to that movie. Uh, I just think that movie's a lot tighter. But but I, I I think the movie's good. But I don't know if it's three hours sitting in a theater and you'll get a sensory overload headache at the end. Good. But it's but it's good. And it has like I said, it has a lot of stuff I liked. I even said to Kat, I was like, how can it have? All this stuff I like, which is 80% of the movie. And then I'm just sort of feeling just ambivalent about it as a whole. I don't know. I don't really understand it. Um, And I'm trying (laughs) to figure that out. Um, And this is after we were in our chat group going like, how does Ben Shapiro have an opinion about movies when he's a political commentator? What's the point? Like, why do people care? Or we have a friend in our chat group who shared, who said, I heard Batman's bad. And I was like, who you hear that from? Not accusing him, just curious. And it's just like a Facebook friend <laughs> talking to another Facebook friend. Yeah. And they don't give any reason for why. They're just like, it's bad. Oh, that's he a bummer. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which okay, whatever. Like, um, right. Oh, I, this was um, something I didn't write down in my notes, but it was another thing that I liked that then turned into a dislike. I <laughs> And it was another comic book thing. It was, I like the idea of lingering on scenes for a long time because it's, like the pace of reading a comic book where I can linger on a panel for as long as I want and then move on. But then as the movie keeps going, I guess Batman only pushed a little bit on the toggle stick uh, as opposed to all the way on the controller. Cause he only walks very, very, very slowly all the time. And I know, I know he's soaking in scenery so he can scan it with his cool little gadget in his eye, but your base speed is a little bit higher, buddy. You can speed it up. I think there was just, I don't know. I think there was a point where the movie did not continue to improve or wow me or introduce new things that made it worthwhile for me, but it's an okay movie. And I know that I'm going to be, I think most people's opinions will be closer to Daniel's out of this episode (laughs) than mine, which is fine, which I have not really shared yet. So (laughs) you don't know. I could have hated it for all you know. (laughs) I assume you liked it because (laughs) whenever I was like, I texted Daniel because we're in a chat group with people who are going to see this movie at all different times. Um, So we never talk about spoilers until we've all seen it. So I was like, "Ah, let me try and gauge like from Daniel how this movie's going to be. So what did I I say to you? I was was very specific and clear (laughs) about my feelings on it. And then we talked about the Punisher movies, which are now available on Peacock. Let me, where is this? Because I liked the way I asked. Oh, yeah. That group chat is just a nightmare. It's constantly going. (laughs) I said, Daniel, tell me in the least direct and non-contextual way what you thought about the movie. And Daniel just goes, Batman. And I said, well, like on a scale of kitchen forks to overtime hours, where do you place it? And he just goes, Batman. Batman. Uh, which as far as it's I'm concerned, Batman. I know you're a Batman stan, so I figure you really I like this love movie, Batman. but we'll see. Uh, uh, but yeah, what, what did what did you think about the movie? 
What do you? Uh, well, actually, tell, I want you to respond to what do you think about the movie, and also if you completely disagree with me, what did you think about my response? Well, I'm not entirely clear on what it is you. By your admission, you're not even sure what it is about the movie that caused you not to connect. With I it. think it's part of the character so, drama, which so. this movie has very little of. Right, which is why I think it's so interesting that it's such a large factor of your feelings towards the movie. Cause you know, I'm, trying, I'm even trying to get like a base for like what it is about the character drama that doesn't connect with you, which I get that occasionally it's very blunt to almost the point of being silly. Like him just blunt telling Alfred, you're not my father. Like that. <laughs> it's very blunt. But like, for me, that was fine because I fully believe that this Bruce Wayne would say that like, this is not an emotive. <laughs> Bruce Wayne who actively articulate- listens to Nirvana deep cuts. <laughs> Like it's so great. It's, not, it's something in the way is one of my favorite Nirvana songs. It's a good song. And it's, it's the, one of my favorites too. It's the last official track on Nevermind, though on all digital releases they cut the secret track as its own like last track. Yeah, isn't that strange? It, it, technically Bruce Wayne should have listened to the twenty minute version of this song. Which and, is just all the and, silence and then it goes. And into eighteen it. minutes later, <laughs> it just starts with the last track <laughs> out of nowhere, the secret track. I, I mean I like oh, that man. opening sequence where it's just him monologuing about shadows and you get such a feel like Gotham is this alive breathing place where Batman is one of the many ghosts that haunts it. It's this wonderful sequence where he talks about the shadows and the power of Batman as entity that exists, where when you look over your shoulder and you're afraid that someone's going to stop you from mugging someone or you you second guess like carjacking because Batman might show up, that's Batman and no yeah, other I, sequence. I like that Batman is technically framed like the slasher killer villain in this movie for about an hour and a half. That's kind of how he's handled. It's, it's like, it's great. You stuff. don't want to do bad stuff. Cause you basically like Michael Myers don't have premarital sex or he's going to show up. He's yeah. Beat Jason you up. <laughs> could show up out of nowhere and just stab you. And that's yeah. basically what Batman <laughs> is. He's one of the monsters here. And like they make it, they make a very specific point to show that people are just as afraid of him as they are any of the gangsters or villains in Gotham. I liked the shot when, uh, in very early, when Commissioner Gordon, uh, not Commissioner yet, Detective Gordon is going to a crime scene, and it's clear you're POV Batman, um, and characters are looking at you, your camera's up high because you're really tall. I thought that was a good... um, it was a good sequence uh, of of helping you experience more of what Batman is like. And Batman's intimidating to everybody. Absolutely everybody. Um, no one. I think I feel like Batman is the kind of character that if he's in the room with you, you're you're immediately thinking, what does he know about me? And am I safe? <laughs> uh, which is really good stuff. You're, yeah. And you're also just like, oh, man, is he just going to it's just going to snap and hurt some, kill somebody right now like because they don't know they don't know this guy they don't know what he's about they have a general understanding like okay like they mentioned that he doesn't use guns he doesn't kill people but like outside of that there's this like there's a great mystique around the character which i think all great batman stories they're very careful how batman is presented as far as his mystique is like how he's perceived by the characters people often talk about him with a certain level of respect and reverence which i think is always important to building the character uh, within this world, because he is not a powered person, but so much of his influence is in people's respect and fear of him. And then it cuts to just of uh, all these scenes of just Gotham with something in the way playing. And I'm like, I could watch, I could watch three hours of just this, just like Batman monologuing over shots of Gotham while Nirvana plays. Like I could watch that for hours and hours and hours. But yeah, like the actual character drama, and this is, you're not the first person to point this out, which is there's not a lot of just scenes of Bruce Wayne being Bruce Wayne in this movie. 90% of the movie, he's in the suit. And even the one, even the one, 
it's like he doesn't do anything as Bruce Wayne, and then it's like, oh, we need Batman. <laughs> so then they just get back to Batman, which is fine. I, I actually really like that scene and how it turned into it. But yes, yeah. it's because that's later in the, in the movie. It's hard to get one in the movie. I guess maybe midpoint. Bruce Wayne has to attend a funeral. This is not something Batman can do. He can attend a funeral. Which is a very, very good scene. It's I, awesome. It's really good. It's it, because for so many reasons. First off, it's your first time really interacting with Carmine Falcone, who's played by John Turturro in secretly one of the best performances of the movie. He's not in a lot of the marketing, but he is great in this. And Bruce Wayne is visibly uncomfortable being in public. He does not want to be there. He does not want to talk to you or interact with anybody. He he's only there because he really has to be. And He's interacting with people. All his interactions are stilted and awkward. Someone talked about how much they hate the Waynes, not realizing they're talking to Bruce Wayne. A politician tries to get Bruce to like really get into their pocket. And the only thing that Bruce Wayne really pays attention to, there's only two things. First, he perceives that the Riddler is probably there watching. But the other is the uh, the son of the man who has died is there in grieving. And obviously, because Batman just has this <laughs> telekinetic connection with every orphan that's ever existed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he he pays attention to that kid. He notices that kid more than anyone else. And that's yes. the thing that really sticks out to him. And it's this, this great moment of characterization for him where he is so unbothered or unconcerned with everyone else in the room. He doesn't want to be there, but he really deeply feels for this kid who's going through a similar pain to him, which pays off because when uh, something bad happens, when the when when one of the Riddler events ha- takes place, he is the only person to really pay attention to the kid in order to save the kid or he, he uh, tackles the kid out of harm's way. It's a great sequence. And it's one of the only times that really see Batman be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the character drama isn't the strong thing in the movie. Like all the Catwoman Batman stuff is pretty good is for what it is. It doesn't grip me or anything, but I think the strength of the movie is less on that and more a theming and understanding of the Batman as sure. a thing that exists, which is what the movie mostly focuses on. Because like when you think about character drama, it's like, okay, there's a stuff with Alfred and Batman, but Alfred's really not in this movie much. Right. Andy Serkis does a lot with what he's given, but there's the scene in the this this is one of the things that I think agree on. Like there's a scene later in the movie where Alfred is um I guess we're sort of getting into spoilers now. I don't know when we hit a logical point to transition to spoilers, but uh, there's a scene where Alfred is in the hospital and he's connecting with Batman, connecting with Bruce Wayne, I should say. And they're talking about how, like how much they care about each other. And it just doesn't do much for me. Andy circus yes, yeah. is his performance is really good in the scene. Bruce Wayne and Robert Pattinson's doing the, the brooding thing. And again, Bruce Wayne seems uncomfortable with trying to express an emote, which I am totally fine with for this version of the character. Cause I feel like it's an intentional choice he's making, but by proxy, it doesn't hit me very hard because I don't get a sense that it's hitting. I guess this is hitting Bruce Wayne very hard. A great little scene that really sh- shows this is there's a scene where he assumes that he's not going to be Batman anymore. And he just looks at Christian Gordon and goes, you're a good cop. And he walks away because that's all he can really drum up to say. That's all he can say to really right. connect with somebody is you're doing a good job. <laughs> and he like leaves. And I was like, OK, this is like a borderline emotionally stunted, almost an adult. And I'm totally okay with that. But right. But yeah, in terms of things I really liked, I love the way they talk about Batman. I love that this is actual deconstruction that has something meaningful to say about deconstructing Batman. 
because for me, like not to rag on Zack Snyder stuff, I know people really like him, but I think there's something very lazy, not just for him. This is something a lot of people do where they think deconstructing Superman or Batman just means you make them do something. They usually wouldn't. What if Superman was evil? What if Batman just shot guns at people? But like deconstruction, you have to have something to say about that. Like you can't just point at Superman being evil and go, that's really something, huh? You have to really draw something out about Superman as a character in doing that, which I feel like a lot of, like, I feel like Injustice doesn't do that. I didn't really get much of that Batman versus Superman. Here, there's a deliberate attempt to actually try and address some, what some people's view as issues with Batman, which I've been over this. I think a lot of the criticisms of the Batman character are kind of dumb because the reason that like, why oh, doesn't Batman just spend all his time creating social programs? It's like, cause that would be an extremely boring movie. If you think this movie's boring, man, oh man, a three hour movie of Batman, just like in meetings going like, all right, so if we divest our funds well, here and also can, like, like that, that's what Thomas Wayne was. And in yes. the world of this in in the world of in Gotham in general, t- Thomas Wayne is the guy who tries to do social programs. It doesn't work. So then Batman is essentially I will do social <laughs> programs and with my beat up mental patients. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with my fists. So like, yeah, and you, it's like I understand trying to update something like, but this is a vestige of the 30s and 40s. Like their view of like, obviously the 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 portrayal of police is already becoming sort of a topic of discussion. But I'm really glad that there's a lot of media blowback of like, look, the politics in Gotham don't make any sense because Gotham's not a real place. Right. Nothing about Gotham makes sense. Why is there in it? an infinite number of henchmen that Batman can just punch forever without any seeming repercussions. Why yeah. is there simultaneously a ton of clean cops and a ton of corrupt cops? How many cops are in this city? Why would anyone run for office when everyone who's in a position of power dies all the time? Gotham doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't like you just point out. It's just raining everywhere, no matter where the buildings are, which is awesome, which is great. Aesthetically, that's amazing. But if you're going to start and chart, like really let's examine the politics of Gotham, a city that doesn't exist in a world that doesn't exist filled with superheroes and aliens. What's the politics of that? I understand that, like that you want to try and examine something because that's what movies are. But and in that regard, I think this movie does a pretty good job of attempting to tackle some of the what I consider to be tired, but I do like the angles they take on it here. There is one scene in particular, which I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about, where they really actually confront the themes of what the movie is trying to say. I think it does it a pretty good job and it's it's helped by some really good performances in the moment. But again, like if you think really too hard about Batman, it won't make sense because there's no way you can make any of this make sense. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I liked, I liked, and I liked the end kind of big triumphant moment in the movie. I think it works for the story they're trying to tell, which I know it's, that's kind of divisive because some people, a, the movie has like four endings like it reaches several points in the movie could just end and cut to credits and it just keeps going where I think you could cut probably 15 to 20 minutes out of this movie and it would probably improve it's it possible, vastly. but it's also like when I was but... thinking about the comics and the ones that succeed well, it's usually like this where like there's sort of an A plot and a B plot and then sometimes the B plot turns into the A plot because the A plot has to pause because Batman needs more information. And so he has to go off on a, like a side quest and yes, in doing yeah, yeah. so he gets the information to move forward. That might work more in a comic because the medium wants you to buy more issues. Yeah. Plus it lends itself to, you can read it at your own pace. Exactly. A movie. Um, Cause a movie is just, you have to sit down and take it. And I think as a mini series that makes more sense, cause it's digestible, pausable, 
the, the there's chapters and I, I really do think that's what makes miniseries so beneficial is when the, in fact, it's why certain miniseries are frustrating to watch because they end in, in a way that doesn't feel like a chapter ending. Um, and uh, that can be a benefit to the medium. Whereas in a movie like this, it's like, it kind of has to have some sort of, this is why editing is so important. It has to pace into itself. And that can get a little difficult. I, I didn't get the the feeling though, that this movie has like four, I, I didn't get the feeling that this movie has points where it's going to end. I think most people will get that when, um, and it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything, but like when Riddler's going to be in prison, I think some people might, if they're small brain, will go, oh, the movie's almost over. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, if you know how the Riddler works, obviously he's like, if he's not freaking out yet, there's more. You, <laughs> like, you've yeah, this seen this movie where the genius guy who has put all of the puzzles pieces together for his Rube right. Goldberg machine of a plan. Right. It's like, aha, exactly. you've actually activated the final part of my plan. Like, <laughs> right. this is movies. This is how This works. is the JRPG second stage of the final boss. Yeah, like, the, this is... the boss is going to turn into a winged creature now. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, Batman kills God in this movie. It's crazy. And he defeats him with the power of friendship. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh before we move on this is the thing that a lot of people were going to be talking about obviously you and i were probably this is one of the things we were excited about but how did you feel about rob pattinson's performance in the movie it wasn't how can you how can you talk about it it's not he's not really there um Batman's wow. there, but not really pattinson um it was funny though because in the scene when he's talking to alfred um he he puts on the same face as Edward Cullen because he doesn't know how to emote. So he starts doing random emotions, which is just like Edward Cullen having to hold back emotions. It was kind of funny, um, but not as fine, but like he's not really doing much. So I, I one of the things that I like about Raimi Spider-Man is that he doesn't have his mask on very much because it gets ripped off. And I really think that's benefit to Tobey Maguire because then you can watch Tobey Maguire act. Uh, but in this, half of Pattinson's face is covered for 90% of the movie. So I don't get to watch him act. And I don't know how much of his him is doing stunts or not. So I don't even know if I'm able to talk about his physical performance much. That, that, that's genuinely how I feel. I walked away thinking like, okay, like I don't really know if he's doing a good job or not. I, But it's not distracting me if he's doing anything poorly or not. So that, that's just how... That's that's how I feel about it. I get that. Like, uh, I use this in a in a, just a general sense. I know normies will probably step away going, "That was pretty, that was pretty good." Shoves pop pop tarts in the mouth. I don't know. I, I pop tarts. I don't know popcorn. What is I was this thinking popcorn. <laughs> I was thinking pretzel and pop tart at the same time, uh, or popcorn. <laughs> Maybe I just want some. What pop food do you eat at the theater? You go to? <laughs> they they AMC. They have their Bavarian legend. I haven't gotten it myself. Every time I've gone, they don't. Is it have pretzels, it. pop tarts, and popcorn? Like it, no, it's a giant pretzel. But then I was thinking popcorn because I was like, more people know about popcorn at movie theaters. That's more normal. Um, AMC, by the way, their food is good. Uh, that pizza, if you get it, the four cheese in crust, it is a good pizza. So, so, so far, when I asked <laughs> how you felt about the movie, you said it's no Godfather. And when I asked <laughs> what do you think of Robert Pattinson's performance, you said the food at AMC theaters is delicious. <laughs> this is the scale between Kitchen Fork <laughs> and um, um, and uh, overtime hours. Uh, I will but, say one one of our. Um, I don't know if he listens the show, but he's one of our main Twitter um, interactors, Eli Price, who. Tweeted at me. He linked me to his Letterboxd review. He specifically was very complimentary about Robert Pattinson's performance. 
partially on the grounds of both the presence he brings to scenes where he's just present as Batman, but also with he felt that you got a lot out of Robert Pattinson's eyes. Like the when you look at his face and you look at the way he's observing and interacting with the scenes, often contrasted with much more, I don't want to say exaggerated, but much more lively performances. Like Penguin, for example, Colin Farrell is tremendously great in this. He's so much Very fun. Good. Very he's good unrecognizable in the best possible way when he's being ridiculous and Batman's just sort of there and you can like for me and also uh, Eli here we got a sense of like there is this brooding anger towards everyone in every scene uh, particularly that sort of thing so you didn't really get any of that in him and his scenes. I, I mean, I got it. Like, I saw that he was using his eyes knowing, like, well, that's all the camera's going to see <laughs> and whatever. Um, like, there are certain interactions and dialogue because he's constant. Like, like I'm getting some Batman hush vibes in the sense that he's constantly questioning everybody. Yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, Tim Sale got a credit at the end for special thanks. But um, Tim Sale being an author, the author for Batman Hush, where, like, when, when Selena Kyle in particular is saying things, Batman's have conflicted between his sexual feelings because I don't know if Batman has any ability for <laughs> emotions, but um, clearly attraction to Selena Kyle, but also not trusting Selena Kyle. So there's a point when Selena, Selena says something in particular and Batman reacts to it, but it's only in his eyes and it's very momentary, but like, it's not a lot. It's, it's mostly detective work, which is fine. I, I liked all that. Uh, but I don't think there's much to it. I think if he had more, if he had either more Bruce Wayne or Batman in the Batcave sequences, where when he's in the Batcave, he's Batman just without the cowl, then I think I would have I, I would have more to say about his performance. But otherwise, I mean, it's a good performance. I know he's a good performer, so I don't. I'm not in the minority of people who saw him in Twilight. And are now seeing him this going, it's funny. He was a he was a vampire at the and now he's back. Isn't that funny? Like, oh my gosh, this we guy still loves probably bats. got though. Like, you know, oh yeah. man, like just cringe. But like so, didn't even so see I him in Tenet, you know? They <laughs> yeah, didn't they didn't see, see him. The, maybe they saw him in Tenet, uh, but then all those people died because they got the coronavirus right after. <laughs> so I don't know. Here's one person who's like, I've only seen water for elephants. What happened to that <laughs> guy? Yeah, that's really crazy. Wouldn't that be awesome? They didn't see Twilight because not really into horror, you know, vampires. So they, uh, but they yeah, love Batman. That's exactly. So I don't feel the need to defend his acting. I know he's good. I'm the one who at at work everyone's talking about Batman, not my coworkers, just customers, and like going, "Is he going to be even good?" I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, he's going to be fine. Like, so whatever. I, yeah. If I had a list of tier rankings for his performances, this wouldn't necessarily be at the top. It's a okay movie, but it wouldn't be at the. Top. Well, oh yeah, I wouldn't put it as like yeah, I wouldn't put it near the top. Just shout out to uh, Mark in the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group who noted that for him he felt that pattinson gave bruce a new dimension by focusing on the sad melancholy that you feel he's to him he said you can feel it weighing him down in every scene but yes yeah uh, yeah i've become that person like i saw my friends jason and zach and yeah i immediately became the person who was like you need to watch good time it's on hulu right now you know i've become that annoying guy well good time is a really good movie <laughs> so probably his best performance um, I think we need to get into spoilers now because particularly. Yeah, I, there is quite a few things to talk about in terms of things later too, like things after this movie in terms of developments, but we'll have to see. But well, one of the main spoiler things I want to talk about is specifically 
Paul Dano's Riddler, because I do feel like aspects of that character are revealed as the film goes on. For sure. So we'll definitely, well, let's definitely do that. Let's, let's begin our transition. Uh, people who keep up with the show know that we now do ads kind of. Um, so let me give, let me give, give you our ad advertisement pitch for our new New advertiser, Smash Cart. Tired of getting your groceries in perfect condition? Are you wishing you could relive the smash bread of your youth? Introducing Smash Cart, where each product you order arrives in the crushed state you crave. Pristine eggs are a thing of the past. We'll deliver them right to your house. No kidding. We'll throw them at your windows and even your pets if they're in the range. Need toilet paper? So do your freshly soiled trees. We'll toss them each... We'll toss each open roll over the branches so your trees can uh, fish them out. Gosh, I don't know how I wrote that sentence. Join now and receive $30 toward 30 orders. That's $1 per order, one order per month. It's contractual. Sorry, but that's 30 orders a month. Are you going to get Smash Cart? I I don't know. It sounds like an app that I'm interested in, but... Is that an app? Is it... Like, it's the new (laughs) Uber Eats. It's the new Uber Eats Smash Cart. Get your groceries so it right shows to your door. Up in a cart that's already smashed. Uh, I have to see the uh, terms and conditions uh, regarding that. But I'm not clear if it's someone drives to your house, hands you like a square cube box, or if it's a cart <laughs> it's that smashed. smashes into your door. <laughs> it's a car, it smashes into your uh, location. Just also, maybe, maybe Paul Dano ordered Smash Cart at the at the wake for the for the what's the name. <laughs> It just happened to have the guy. I'm not there. sure why. Why would a store allow themselves to be partnered with Smashcart? Is it just? Is it <laughs> I don't know how anybody partners with half of these tech companies. <laughs> Some of these crazy tech companies are ridiculous. You're right. It's just all these crazy tech companies. This is one of the 26 year old ambassador for the company, and he just knows how to smooth talk some like 70 year old boomer who's just like, I gotta be online. Does your thing have NFTs? Can I send NFTs on that Smash Cart? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's monorail for a whole new generation. So check out Smash Cart. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what we got yeah. for you. What kind of what what's the spoilers you wanted to get into first, Dan? Was it the Paul Dano stuff? Who, by the way, has a Criterion release. If you didn't know, his movie Wildlife is on Criterion Collection. I know. I know. Obviously, the big conversation with the movie was Robert Pattinson being Batman, and then you got some stuff about Zoe Kravitz being Catwoman. But for me, the real standout was I was really excited about Paul Dano being the Riddler. Paul Dano is a tremendously gifted actor who only picks weird roles only picks he's one of those people that only picks roles that interest him if you've seen swiss army man or prisoners uh you know that paul dano has a taste for roles that give him just a lot to do specifically in um like he tends to play characters that get beat up and picked on by life even his more quote mainstream roles like something in there will be blood or little miss sunshine he plays kind of weird neurotic people that get um stepped on by life so it made a lot of sense that he's gonna play the riddler and what was surprising for me first off is the riddler isn't in a lot of the movie he's a presence that's very felt like obviously he everyone is talking about the riddler it's much like poochie whenever he's on screen everyone's like where's riddler what's he gonna do next and so when he finally physically appears on screen interacting with other characters he really makes it count there's these initial scene that's in the trailers where he gets picked up by cops and he just sort of smiles at them. And then there's the cumulative scene. And this is sort of where we need to get into the actual meat and potatoes of the plot, which is as the Riddler riddles begin to unfurl, uh, clearly 
he is targeting the elites of Gotham with one of his main targets, in fact, being the Wayne family. He initially tries to kill Bruce Wayne, and unfortunately, he almost kills Alfred, hence the hospital scene we're talking about earlier. Uh, and it's heavily hinted that the Riddler, Edward Nashton, is perhaps more connected. Which could to- have been Edward Nigma. I don't know why. He's clearly using fake names. Why couldn't well, it be that? They, sh- they show several cards that could be his I name. Know. So, I know. Edward Nashton's become sort of a popular uh, Riddler name. I believe it's also his name in the Gotham TV show. I may be incorrect on that. I think recent comics, some recent comics have also done Nashton. I'm not mm. sure. But, um, I mean, he could be Edward Nigma for, for all we know. But... He gets picked up, and uh, he was an orphan in the or- Thomas Wayne Orphanage, and there's a particular recurring sequence. The The motive is Ave Maria, and it was there's like a charity concert where Thomas Wayne announces the revitalization revitalization program. It's very similar, actually, to the plot of the Batman Telltale games, which I don't know if you ever played those. I did not. This movie takes and steals from a lot of really good Batman stuff, which is yes. one of, probably one of the reasons that worked for me so much, but... Uh, so his whole thing is, and then so finally Batman confronts him, and Paul Dino actually has a pretty. First off, he does two things. First off, in his mind, he's been working directly with the Batman because he's been setting up all these corrupt criminal people. To be fair, and Batman's been kind of been forced into helping take them down, but in his twisted mind, they're working together because they are both masked people taking down the villains. But also, he has a whole beef with Bruce Wayne. Partially because he's like, everyone was so worried about the orphan, but like I was in an orphanage and he says a bunch of real things about orphanages, which anyone who's worked in or an orphanage or specifically worked in orphanages in not the United States in uh, third world countries will tell you they're not great. Uh, he talks about how every winter, at least one of the babies would die from that cold, which is a real thing. He talked about how they were all stuffed in together, but all the attention and sympathy went towards Bruce Wayne, the orphan. Which, as far as villain motivations go, that's pretty good, especially if you're going with a deconstructionist realistic thing. And you actually get some Robert Pattinson being Batman where he's slamming at the glass going, what are you doing? What's going next? And Paul Dano gets to Riddler out and be all weird and and, and exaggerated. And I'm not sure if he's playing the character as if he's neurodivergent or if he has some sort of mental illness. I mean, all of Batman's villains have some sort of mental illness, to be fair. Uh, but it's a really good performance. Like Paul Dano, there's a fine line where this character, in my opinion, you could have easily crossed over just being sort of farcical and silly. And this is might as well be on the television show Gotham. But I think he does a good job of balancing an exaggerated, wacky villain performance with actually grounding him in something kind of menacing. Do you um do you remember in the office when Angela breaks up with Dwight? Um I have I'm going really. somewhere, Daniel. Trust me. Why don't you have faith in me ever? You need to you I need said to I trust don't me. know. I didn't react to anything you said. <laughs> Come on. I was like, I don't I Come guess. on, Daniel. <laughs> I haven't watched the office in uh years there's before. yeah, and then Jim and Pam go and stay at the uh stay at his inn and they wake up in the middle of the night because someone is moaning, going and it's Dwight and he's crying. Uh Paul Dano does that as Riddler twice in this movie it's really yes he does yes he does (laughs) i'm just expecting jim to knock on the window you okay bud i hope you're enjoying your stay at the arkham asylum yeah it really made um (laughs) my audience uncomfortable believe it or not what him just being like uh moaning and being like what he is in the movie which is what to react like it was very uncomfortable which i think is desired effect i think for this movie in general if you 
if you've read a lot of the comics or just engage a lot of Batman media, I won't even like beyond movies, I'll say it's it's expected because like Riddler as a character is like Batman in that he's brilliant, competent and also doesn't like bad people. But he just is delusional and thinking by killing people, he's not also one of the bad people and not just killing people, but like jigsaw esque (laughs) killing people. At least that's more Arkham city theme, but I I don't know. I guess I haven't read many comics with him in it, but it's it's very in line with the earth one, Jeff Johns Riddler. And when he of course loses control is when he's just going insane. It's when he like really falls apart and Dano does that. Yeah. His actions and motivations, like the whole like jigsaw style puzzles, like the scene where he's like trying to make the guy answer riddles or blow him up, which is great. Like that's very, very good scene. Yeah. One of the more comic booky scenes in the movie. That stuff is kind of what's like a, in the Arkham games, which one of the writers in the film is admitted that he's a fan of the Arkham games. So I definitely got a lot of vibes, both you mentioned in the visuals, but also in um, the characterization of Riddler as well as in Falcone's um, room that he's in. And like the fact that just looks like it just looks like outside Gotham, but it's inside. I was like, that's just an Arkham game. It looks like Unreal Engine. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, but the the characterization of like the actual like mannerisms and the way Paul Dano acts is very much his own decision, which I really like. Yes, but uh, this all leads into his cumulative plan, where it turns out he was planning on blowing up Gotham because doesn't everybody? Um, everyone, every villain at some point tries to blow up Gotham for some reason, and it's this one where it, by his own plan, if he floods Gotham by blowing up places at strategic place uh, uh, points. And it forces everyone into like their, I think it's the, what is it, MetLife? I don't know what the name is in Gotham, but it's like, I think it's like the MetLife Stadium or something. And his followers, because he's been, he's been posting videos on Reddit, not YouTube, Reddit. <laughs> it's, it's unnamed, but Deep it's Deep Web Reddit. But it's yeah. great because he goes, hey guys, in the video. <laughs> yeah. which he, got a he didn't have to be called the Riddler. He could have been called the Redditor. The Redditor. I'm probably not the only person on the planet who said no. that. And but he's been talking to his at first. I thought it was like hilarious lack of attention because the comments just say things like rifles are good. And I but I realized it's actually them chatting with each other because at first I thought they're like, what would what would school shooter types comment in a video? And they would just comment the words rifles are good or something. (laughs) But no, they were like, actually, I chatted with each other. And so he forces everyone to one stadium and then his followers are going to shoot them. And this is where I think some there's some comment, like some reviews online, some of the negative reviews of the movie said things like, this just isn't the movie for the now. You know, in this day and age, I don't feel comfortable with this type of thing. It's like, well, this is a Batman movie, and most yeah. Batman stories involve a maniacal bad guy who gets other people to shoot other people. That's yeah, Riddler had his own cronies. That's, yeah. That's in this great. movie, they don't have goofy question mark things. They're all dressed like the Zodiac killer, but... And so Batman goes and he beats up a bunch of guys, but then he realizes because one of the running things in the whole movie is Riddler and everyone else is like, and there's a, there's a, there is a grown worthy scene where Catwoman is like, why do you care about these white privileged people? Which got audible groans from my audience. Uh, but partially because I feel like the later scene with Riddler actually does the same theme, but more like impactful and more nuanced way where it's like, yeah, why is Batman super concerned about saving these corrupt guys in power versus all the little people who are being affected, namely Catwoman's friend slash girlfriend who gets kidnapped and later it turns out she was 
viciously murdered by Carmine Falcone. Why is everyone focusing on these guys and not the little guy? Why in Riddler's point is why is everyone so worried about Bruce Wayne who, you know, orphaned into riches and still taking care of living in a tower versus all the people that Gotham's forgotten, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like Riddler's point makes, is more impactful. And this all culminates in Batman is a moment where he beats up all the bad guys. A, he realizes that they're using his own methods because early in the movie, it's in the trailers. Batman says, I am vengeance. And then when they interrogate one of the Riddler henchmen, they're like, who are you? He says, I am vengeance. And Batman has a moment of realization where he's just like, maybe I shouldn't just punch everyone. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks down and he, <clears throat> in a visual moment, he looks down and the stadium's flooded and he just jumps down from the rafters. And visually, he is going down to the people. He's going down the muck and the mire. And he lights a flare and he reaches out his hand to the uh, incumbent mayor. And the first person to grab his hand is the kid from the funeral, the kid who his father is dead. And so this there's this <laughs> unspoken telekinetic connection between Batman and all orphans. Uh, but <laughs> he he holds the hand of the people and leads them into safety. And it's a nice little moment. Like it's like Batman's big heroic moment isn't he beats up the Riddler. It's he actually goes and he helps people and he realizes that perhaps he shouldn't be just a guy of vengeance. Perhaps he should be something greater, something more. Batman is a symbol, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> You've heard this before in other Batman things, but I like the way it's uh, played out here. And I think it's an interesting moment where you will see in subsequent films. This is something uh, my wife and I were talking about, which is I definitely think that the arc of Bruce Wayne across these movies is going to be him becoming more like Bruce Wayne, like realizing he'd do just as much good, if not more as Bruce Wayne, yes, than just Batman, which yeah. is one of the things in zero year by Scott Snyder, who gets a thank you in the credits and who wrote specifically a story about Riddler taking over the city because he's the Riddler. And I think that's, I think a lot of this movie will be judged in hindsight to what it leads to in subsequent uh, Batman movies. But for me, like that's the thing that holds the movie together. Even if, yeah, the interpersonal Batman stuff isn't super strong. <clears throat> it's definitely the stuff in the movie you're going to remember the least. Um, most re- uh, reactions I'm getting from people on our Facebook group and on Twitter is they love the detective stuff. They like that Batman is the world's greatest detective for once. Uh, I've been banging this drum forever, which is I just, just give me a Batman movie. Just stop a serial killer. I don't want to see him use a bunch of gadgets and fight, you know, Clayface or something. I want I want to see him do the things he does in most of the comics and cartoons and video games and every Batman medium except movies for some reason and be delivered in that regard. But yeah, I thought to me that thematically all was pretty strong and all worked for me, which I don't know how you feel about it, but uh yeah, it, it it's there. It's definitely <laughs> good. I, I'm not like going crazy about it or, or not even crazy. I'm not necessarily like it's doing what I want a movie to do anyway, which is having a theme and sticking to it, having a tone and sticking to it. Uh, it's a competent movie. Uh, my boss texted me pretty much right when I got home was like, how was it? And I was like, uh, yeah, it's, it is a good movie. It's well-made and all the stuff that I want a movie to do is it's doing. Um, but like, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying, like, and 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 like I got that at the end. I was like, oh, okay, Zark was like becoming more like <laughs> a human being and caring about people, <laughs> a real like, human being. Yeah, he's like like when uh, he's talking to Salita Kyle about uh, which we haven't even talked about Catwoman much. I, I feel like uh, one of the best scenes is that scene I talk about where Catwoman is uh, helping out Batman by infiltrating the club. Uh, really, just oh awesome yeah, scene. that stuff's great. Yeah. But anyways, he's talking to her 
and Salida's like, my friend's dead. And Batman's just like, <laughs> who cares? And you're like, <laughs> I, like, I love that Batman's movie is kind of the worst. He is uncaring. He is flippant. He's mean to the only father figure he has for no reason. Yeah, he doesn't care about people. He it's is two great. years into this venture, not so sure it's working out. And he has to learn that. Well, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And so he's uh, trying not to, you know, be his, insane. His but. character arc is very similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger's in Terminator 2. <laughs> so I the, compared to the Godfather and I'm the silly one. <laughs> well, he's just like, I'm being facetious, but he's just like, he's like, I know, now yeah. I know why humans cry. Yeah, <laughs> they, no, it's true. That's kind um, of what Batman does in this movie. And he rides a motorcycle off into the distance. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I get it. I get what the movie's doing. And one, I meant to tee this up uh, so I could reference who it was, at least give a shout out to them on Letterboxd. But a guy on Letterboxd noticed that he he felt one of the coolest gadgets was the eye camera because so much of the film is about what's seen and what's not seen. Yeah. And both in terms of characterization, like the orphan stuff with Riddler, and in terms of everything else, like Selena Kyle's drama of uh, being a um, prostitute's child. Uh, well, not even, pro- I guess you could say dancer, but, you know, a subjugated woman's child to Falcone. Um, not being seen stuff like that it all fits the theme and tone but again that's like that's what i want a movie to do anyway so it's like that's that it's it's not necessarily blowing my socks off like i even when i was thinking about this as being the most comic book feeling the most batman comic book detective feeling movie i was like but out of the batman comics i've read like it'd probably be in the middle if it was a comic adaption yeah so maybe maybe i'm just transitioning away from batman as a character being interesting now that I've been opened up to the other the other world of live action superheroes recently, but yeah, but but yeah, I I saw that I saw what, <laughs> what was happening, Dan, with his it's, with his character arc, and it was it was pretty good. It it's, good it's pretty good, and I think this is a great place to start, and I'm very fair. excited to see more. And the fact that you said that there's going to be some some TV shows will be neat to see. Um, I think that'll be fun to watch. Poor Colin Farrell is going to be wearing makeup a lot on hey, set. He's a producer on that Penguin show. Man, so I can... guess he likes it. He's like, yeah, yeah give me the makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into the spoiler. The, the worst scene in the movie. It's, I was very mixed on it. I mean, first off, I'm a big, I love Arkham Asylum as a location. I love it as a storytelling device. One of the things we disagree on is I love the Grant Morrison Arkham Asylum comic. Um, which yeah, man, he, I'll have to try and read it again, but I did not. I don't like it. You don't, don't like, like your one. You don't like. <laughs> you know, um, I like Killing Joke. I like Long Halloween. I Long like Halloween, yeah. uh, Batman Hush. See, I'm I mixed like, on Killing Joke personally. So uh, Death in the Family's good. Uh, yeah, Batman good. Black Mirror's good. Great. Um, that's a great comic. Obviously, the. Um, Dark Knight Returns is good. No, no complaints there. I like the art even in Dark Knight Returns. My point is saying I love Arkham Asylum. I was excited when they mentioned it. I couldn't wait to see it. And their version of Arkham Asylum is really weird. All of the all of the, the locations in this are movie super are tight. close. And yeah, in this one, it's super tight. It's whatever. I don't know. But so early on in DC fandom, like two years ago, they announced that Barry Koenig, I don't know how to say his name. Was playing not in, Ezra Miller is not Ezra Miller is playing 
They're like, he's playing this guy. It's a very minor character from the year one comic. And we got when the credit showed up at the end of the movie. I just Unnamed audibly went Arkham. out loud. Who's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Which character was he? <laughs> Unnamed Arkham inmate. But yes. almost immediately, everyone assumed that was a red herring. A lot, immediately, the rumor mill started going that he's playing the Joker. And in fact, the four hour cut they showed of this movie at screenings, which to be fair, it's not it's not like the intended Reeves cut. Matt Reeves of his own said he hadn't finished editing the movie when they started showing it at test screenings. It includes an earlier scene where Batman encounters this character, uh, which I'm glad they cut that because that would have been very distracting and silly. But And so Riddler is bemoaning his fate as an unseen Arkham inmate and a distinct cadence starts telling him that he did a great job. He shouldn't be sad. And it's obviously a Joker. Matt Reeves later confirmed it's the Joker in in interviews and stuff. Barry Koenig, who you may remember is Druig, the mind control guy from Eternals slash he was someone in Dunkirk. He's one of those actors that just suddenly was in everything all of a sudden. Uh, he's playing the Joker, apparently. And man, oh man, I'm saying this. We've established that I'm a big Batman guy. I love some Batman. I've watched the whole Gotham show, which is terrible. I've watched every cartoon of Batman. I played all the video games. I read copious amounts of comics. But man, I'm kind of sick of the Joker. Uh, oh man, I we're seen in the movie. It, um, it's very. It's, it doesn't totally fit with the rest of the movie. It's very it doesn't, weird. It feels like okay. First off, I don't know if you noticed this, but the way the amount of makeup they show of this character and and prosthetics, people thought it was Two Face. People went through that was Two Face. Uh, my my wife wished it was Two Face, uh, which could have been interesting. Um, I, I I think Harvey Dent works as a better character in these movies before yes, Two Face. Um, before yes. Two Face. Uh, my, my, frankly, I think people could be excused for thinking it was Dane DeHaan Green Goblin because <laughs> the makeup did not look good. It looked real bad. Um, this was actually in my negatives, uh, this, this thing, um, which I couldn't get into, of course, but this is the negatives I was talking about where I was like, it's just the worst choice that happened in the movie because it feels like a super villain friends team up. Like every villain is lemons <laughs> from spider or from SpongeBob. <laughs> spider like, man. From spider from Spider Bob. Um but that's what this feels like. Uh it oh. wasn't good. It see this I, this this we this we agree on, Melvin. I yes. <laughs> I I think this is a terrible idea. They could have done anybody, anybody in the Rose well, Gallery yes. that would be interesting to see uh even somewhat pair up with Riddler, like I would have, I honestly would have preferred if they just introduced the paranormal by having the puppet, the killer puppet. <laughs> oh, yes, Scarface. Like, well, like that you could play that off on. as he's crazy. He's crazy. He thinks the puppet's talking. Whatever. Uh, give me Clue Master. That would have been better than Riddler. <laughs> Riddler and Clue Master hit hit the streets and try to try to turn God. Yeah, or Hush because that's another orphan. That would have been great too. Um, have, I was shocked Thomas Elliot wasn't in this movie. Like Tommy Elliot. Like, yeah, that would be great. You that would know? Been really, really good. Like, yeah, Alfred could be like, your friend Tommy Elliott's trying to reach you. And he's like, ah, you're not my father. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have and, any friends. <laughs> you know, uh, yes, because to me, the joy of doing something like this, doing a grounded, realistic, we're doing our own Elseworlds Batman thing is you can play in the Batman. Batman has a great rogues gallery. Condiment man. Condiment king. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like, there's so many great like serial killer, like guys you could do, like, doll maker, professor pig, 
Yeah, um, Professor Pig would have been really cool. Uh, that would have been sick, right? Yeah, do the whole Circus is Strange. That stuff would have been cool. And they mentioned uh, circus stuff that Alfred worked at a circus, which is interesting. Uh, but like, Yeah, that's a, that's a neat little detail. Yeah, come on. And, yeah, because I think Hush – I know some people don't like Hush because he's kind of one-dimensional as a villain. Like he's, a one, he's very much a run-trick pony as a villain, granted. But he would be great for this specific thing because you're doing a whole thing with with the Wayne legacy, right? That's the whole theme. So someone who specifically has a strong tie to the Waynes and hates them, that's a great like villain that you can like play with, you know. Um I would I I I would I would really want Killer Moth would be great. Do rat catcher. I actually thought because of the makeup, I was like, is that man bat? That would be crazy. <laughs> like that Yeah, they're we're just doing bat. it. It's just a guy who vaguely looks kind of like a bat, you know. <laughs> per um per Kirk Langstrom. Um but yeah, so like I just the Joker trick, especially we just had the Walking Phoenix Joker movie. Again, it's one of those things where I not only are we getting Joker overload, but you just saw a extremely Oscar winning Joker performance. Why would you immediately introduce another one who's just going to never be compared? I think to it's that? a producer choice. I think this is a producer slash Warner Brothers. You think like Walter Hamada was just like, yeah, people like that Joker guy, and then maybe you could do yeah. your own version of Harleen Quinzel, you know, too, you know, bad choices. Yeah, it's. I would say one thing I like bad about choices. the movie is you simultaneously have John Turturro doing a very grounded regular gangster performance contrasted with Colin Farrell doing it more exaggerated. Like it makes sense that Gotham, because I think a lot of DC villain type things, especially like the Nolan Batman movies really did this where everyone kind of gives similar ish takes on the material, right? Like you don't have a lot of exaggerated performances like in suicide squad, even you have straight men and then you have weirdos. So you have, Amanda Waller and Bloodsport who are playing straight to the exaggerated polka dot man rat catcher two type characters. I like that in this movie, they kind of seem to in, in more embrace the idea that you're going to have some really exaggerated weirdos. You're going to have gangsters. You're going to have kind of like femme fatale characters. Like Gotham is a rich tapestry of characters that all exist all at once. Even still throwing in what feels like a character from Gotham or Titans into your prestige slow burn superhero movie. It just doesn't fit. It felt like I was watching someone spliced in their fan film in the middle of the movie. It felt very weird. Or yeah. even Paul Dano doing the same thing. It looks sillier when he's goofing around with his buddy Joker yeah. or whatever. It just, I, yeah, I agree. It, it felt like someone got in Matt Reeves ear and it's like, I know your movie's already like four hours, but if you could just throw in some Joker there that would be really tight we need to sell some toys and t-shirts my theater was like oh man and i was like come on this my is theater the did not have that reaction <laughs> i was so annoyed about it it's the worst oh who knows he could maybe he blows us away maybe maybe this is like kind of like a you know test maybe he's pilot. in the show and, and not then, in the next movie maybe or yeah maybe i wouldn't mind if he never actually does any like if he's just a background character like maybe in the third one of these Turns out he's been pulling the strings or something. Like I would, that would make me less annoyed. But like I just don't, I don't want to see Batman beat up Joker for the millionth time, especially when there's so many great Batman villains you could use instead. Yeah, I we could sit here and name Batman villains we'd rather have in the movie than the Joker probably all day because yeah. there's so many fun ones. They all just like weird murder people that all have fun gimmicks. It's a great, it's a great formula if you're just going to do seven slash zodiac but with people wearing batman costumes 
there's weird serial killer people for days and days. You know, Victor Zaz. Just why not? You have him start. Not there's got to be payphones in this uh, Gotham. <laughs> like this Gotham looks old. It's got to be payphones. Imagine that it's like yeah, it's like a diehard movie with Zaz basically. <laughs> Where he's like, find my phones, Batman. You know, it's just in weird. one office building. <laughs> he's got to run up and yeah. down the steps. That'd be great. It's some. It's there's pagers and like drawers going off. <laughs> there's like old like flip phones he has to answer. That'd be fun. Yeah, like the thing with Batman is because he's such a non mystical super powered character. Is you could you could put Batman in a thing like the way you do Die Hard on a bus, Die Hard on a boat. You could do Batman, but in a Die Hard movie. Batman, but in a Zodiac right. killer movie. And what I'm worried about, and this is my underlying thing, where after the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were so successful, I think people decided, and after the the Snyder movies did not perform the way they wanted to, I'm worried the feeling is just like Batman only works when you do a really gritty crime movie. Which is like, yeah, I like that. But Batman could do a lot of stuff. Like the whole Denny O'Neill run as writing Batman was just like Batman could just be like Indiana Jones. He could gallivant around the world, fight Raza Ghoul. Batman could do a ton of stuff. He he's he's every good he's a detective, he's an acrobat, he's an archaeologist, he's uh he does chemicals, he knows everything about peak physical performance. Batman is good at computers, he's he's a renaissance man as far as action movie tropes. So you can just do tons of stuff with Batman. I don't know if any of that's what Matt Reeves and Rob Pattinson are interested in granted, but ah, man, I just, don't, I just don't, I don't want more Joker. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's even in tight choice. I don't know. Ugh. Bad choice. It's cringe. Even unless you got Mark <laughs> Hamill back. That's the only way I would take it. It was just like current Mark Hamill gets to act as Joker. I'd be down for that. Let's put him in the makeup. He does the voice. Um, what do you got for recommendations, Dan? Uh, so first off, I recommend seeing this movie. I think it's pretty good. It's three hours. If you love Batman, you'll probably like this thing. But uh, so two recommendations first for my a let me just click over to make sure I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an interesting study Bible recommendation. I recently found a copy of it online for rather cheap, and I'm really pumped about it. However, right now on Amazon, the cheapest copy of it is seventy three dollars used. Uh, the new one is $300, so I don't recommend buying Whoa. that one. But it is, I'm a big fan of study Bibles, as we've established. And my feelings on certain things like the message or the like uh, NCV, I'm a little mixed on those. I think the message borders on being kind of like a, uh, a reinterpretation at times, though I like Eugene Peterson. So with that, I recommend this. Par- it's called the Parallel Study Bible. Put out by Thomas Nelson. It's the New King James, the NCV, and the message parallel to each other. But it also includes the study notes from the Thomas Nelson New King James Study Bible, which I really like that study Bible, the New King James Study Bible. Uh, You can find that on its own pretty cheap online. Christian Book periodically has sales on it for about 30 or uh, so dollars. But here it's uh, put in a really nice format where you can get. I think the message, for example, as translation is interesting, specifically when you can compare it to the more accurate biblical tests, like the New King James translation. In that context, I like the message a lot more. And when you combine it with this other translation, as well as the New King James study notes, I think it has a nice uh, reading experience. The other thing is the way the Bible is formatted. It's in four uh, parallel columns like a lot of parallel bibles except they include the study notes as a fourth column which i think makes for the reading experience to be a lot easier 
Uh, so if you ever used to like a parallel Bible with four translations, this will be uh, just as easy to read with the fourth column just being study notes. It's uh, it's really it's a really nice study Bible. It's a good one to round out your uh, Bible collection, so to speak. And if you're someone who just likes having a lot of different translations and you also are a fan of study of physical media as opposed to just having one of the Bible apps, I highly recommend this one. That said, with like I said, the caveat that finding an affordable copy might be a little difficult. However, I was able to track one down somewhere. So maybe on eBay, maybe on one of those like uh, book selling sites, you could find one if $74 is a bit steep for a used <laughs> book. But anyone who buys a lot of Bibles and and, and uh, commentaries and stuff knows that that's actually, that's actually not that expensive compared to other study Bibles. Uh, unless you're a bargain hunter like I am. A lot, there's like new study Bibles right now that are like $100, like pretty standardly. But uh, that's what I got for that. So uh, My recommendation is a another podcast that I'm sure a lot of people, if they listen to like, uh, I don't know, news podcasts have heard an advertisement for it. Uh, it's called the Trojan horse affair from New York times and serial productions. It is about a, in a, in the UK, uh, there was a letter that arrived, um, to a government office saying that there was a, uh, Muslim plot to take over schools, public schools. And in response to getting this letter, uh, a lot of uh, people lost their jobs at certain schools. Um, a lot of Muslims were kicked out of schools and not not permitted to work in education again. There were new laws instated that they increased in restrictions on uh, particular Muslim. I listened to this over the course of like two weeks, and it's been about a week since I finished it. But and it becomes so much more than what I'm describing it as. Because basically it changed like the fabric of, of, of English culture for a bit, uh, forever actually for, that's why they're still doing it. Um, and this particular podcast, the question they're seeking to answer this journalistic podcast is who wrote the letter? Because it was an anonymous letter. It's missing a cover page. It's missing its last page. And the four pages that are there are particularly strange. And yet it's had such an impact and yet no one's ever asked who wrote the letter. So uh, these two journalists, one from the New York Times and one who, um, this is his first thing he's ever doing. His name's Hamza Sayed. He just can't, he was in school. This was his project for school and then out of school. Uh, the two investigate where the letters come from. And I got to say, this podcast is like, you will listen to the first episode and go right into the next one and then right into the next one uh, as they continue to divulge and investigate where this letter is from, who, who it targeted, reasons for why it was written, why it's so damaging to put so much faith into this letter and why it's so important to know who wrote it because of how much it's affected. Um, I think it's also very valuable to listen to uh, as Christians, very valuable to, to, to understand why um, anti-Muslim anti-Islamic rhetoric is very damaging for everybody. (laughs) And why this particular story is so important. Yes, we are. If you're probably, most of our listeners are Americans, uh, not just saying that as though Canada doesn't exist, but I literally mean in the North Americas. Um, so it's going to be hard to perhaps understand why this is so important for us too. But this is some, I mean, there's plenty of anti Islamic um, rhetoric and um, systematic issues in terms of how uh, Islam has treated here in the United States as well and in the Americas. Um, it's a good show, man. I'm telling you it's part, 
part journalistic investigation, part um, personal journey. As you listen to uh, Hamza Sayed, who is Muslim, investigate it and question whether or not he's going to continue being a journalist or not um, as he's investigating this particular thing. It's great. Totally check it out. I think it uh, has a really good perspective on how journalism is investigated uh, and just a good perspective on how to interpret news as it's coming out, frankly. Um, so definitely recommending the Trojan Horse Affair. Eight episodes. You could totally binge it in the day. How long is each episode? One hour. Um, okay. 40 minutes to one hour. It's very good. Um, so definitely check it out. Did you, have you listened to it? I don't know. I know it's been ab- being advertised all over the place for like the um, last I three have, months. But. I have not. I have heard of it, but I have not. Though yeah, based on your recommendation, I might actually check it out. It's very good. It's very I mean, good. I have countless podcasts just sitting in uh, your follow queue or whatever. Yeah. So what's great is this one was one where they just dropped every episode right away. Okay. They were just like, eh, we're not doing week to week. Just put it out there. And it's very good. I definitely so. appreciate that. Um, uh, for my, what you refer to as my fun recommendation, um, I'm just <laughs> going to recommend a couple different Batman things. Um, many of which I've mentioned here. So the sort of Holy Trinity of Batman comics that everyone has read, even the most casual comic book reviewers of course, year one Dark Knight returns killing joke, uh, which I consider to be three of, they're all good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like they're not good, but they're definitely, I don't think the best Batman stories are just the ones that, came out at a good time to really help shift the character. Um, two of them written by Frank Miller. So I'm going to recommend the second tier of Batman comics. Everyone is, should read and are read by even those casual comic reviewers first. Uh, the two Jeff Loeb written um, long Halloween and dark victory, which were illustrated by Tim Stale, uh, who I believe got a shout out in the credits of this. Um, dark, long Halloween is sort of, ubiquitously always cited as an influence in every Batman thing. Uh, the edition I have has a Ford written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Yep. Who did um, Dark Knight trilogy, obviously. Uh, this movie perhaps took the most direct references from that, both in that Batman investigates a murder mystery uh, and has to interview and talk to a series of his own rogues gallery. And the obviously the the Halloween is the day of the first murder and in, in the murders in this uh, movie. The other set is the Earth One Batman series written by Jeff Johns, which this one took quite a few notes from. Even the detail that uh, Martha Wayne was in Arkham is something that's from the Earth One Batman comic series. That one's pretty good as part of the whole DC Earth One series where they just wrote partially as a way to just redo comics and create their own new origin stories by setting them into separate continuity. Um, I recommend those. And of course, the Scott Snyder Zero Year series, which is a... Uh, goes, it's also a retelling of Batman's kind of first year of being Batman and specifically dealing with his own uh, feelings around the Wayne legacy, as well as encountering the Riddler as an initial big bad. And it's also one of the first comics that for me took Riddler seriously. And of the recent reboots, Riddler is someone who can easily become a gimmicky, no different than like a calendar man or a clue, clue master type villain. But Scott Snyder's writing of Riddler is quite good. And his writing of Batman is really good. Everything he wrote for Batman is great. And on top of all of that, right now on HBO Max, every Batman cartoon ever made is right there. <clears throat> as soon as the movie is over, my wife and I went home and we put on Batman the Animated Series, which debuted 30 years ago and is still good. It is one of it is perhaps the best version of the character in terms of um, outside of the Arkham games where they just take every good thing about Batman and just throw it into a blender 
It is the cartoon that gave us uh, Mr. Freeze's current origin story. It gave us Harley Quinn. It gave us a lot of the things that you remember about Batman all right there. Uh, so I, uh, including a good version of Clock King, which is not easy to do. So Batman the Animated Series is right there on HBO Max. And then once you finish it, you can watch Superman the Animated Series, then Justice League, then Justice League Unlimited, all of which are right in that same continuity. Even Static Shock is in there. It's all yeah, on HBO Max. Yeah watch all those shows they're great um i love the episode where static shock teams up with shaquille o'neal was <laughs> random thing shaq is a big superman fan and he partially did it because he wanted to later show up in an episode where he meets superman and it just never came together apparently it's sad um yeah those are my rec- those are my batman recommendations and if you haven't played it the arkham games are terrific Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.